Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Jamie Burleson Woolley with W Streets, and she's flown in from Dallas, Texas to share how she's wholesaling over 100 houses a year. Mm-hmm. If this is your first time tuning in, I am Steve Trang, broker and owner of Stunning Homes Realty, founder of the Offer Fast Homes app, the only MLS for off market wholesale properties. And I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires, so if that's something you want to join, let's connect on Instagram. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me a thumbs up. And as a friendly reminder, I don't charge a dime for this show. I don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask. This is what it costs for you guys to listen to the show. All right, now I'm trying to grow my subscriber count, so I need you to subscribe right now as you watch and listen to this episode. I can actually see that half of you guys are not subscribing, and I will hire Liam Neeson to find you and force you to subscribe <laughs> if you guys don't do it soon. And I'm not playing around. Antoine Das is not either. You guys saw that on Instagram this past week. So let's get in there and subscribe. And if you guys find value today, you got a friend that needs to listen to this episode, please tag them right now so we can all grow together. And don't forget, this is a live show. So please post your questions for Jamie to answer. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. First question is, what got you into real estate? So uh, what got me into real estate is a great question. Um, it was really out of necessity, honestly. Um, I wanted I wanted more out of life. I wanted more um, monetarily. I wanted to offer and provide my daughter more. Um, and just one day, I honestly got very scared and fearful of what did that look like if something happened to my husband, um, you know, an, an accident or, you know, it, life happens, right? Like you want to live forever and everything's perfect and stay married forever. But what if for some reason something happened, marriage or uh, an accident? And I thought, what? what would that look like for me? Like I was making $40,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Like my daughter is, you know, plays club sports, goes to a, you know, Christian school. And I'm like, I wouldn't be able to give her that lifestyle. And that absolutely frightened me to death. And I did not want to rely on someone else, even though your spouse is your support system, right? And uh, you're supposed to be a team. Well, sometimes somebody hurts their ankle in Mm -hmm. the team and someone else has to come in. Like I wanted to make sure that I could stand on my own no matter what. And that's what led me to real estate. But that's, you know, a lot of, you know, couples are in that situation. Yeah. So something must have sparked you. I mean, were you an entrepreneur before? So as soon as I graduated high school, I went, uh, I had a golf scholarship, so I went to college. Um, I lasted about two years. I absolutely hated studying. Um, I I tell people now, like, I've read more books now than I've read in my entire lifetimes, 50, you know, like, Mm -hmm. because I I like it. Uh, But I went off to school and my parents were always, you know, go get a job, go to college, you know, get something stable. And, and I hated that. I thought, you know, that's not right, you know, but in my world, in my realm, that was right, you know, and so I was was kind of, I was kind of, you know, that's a failure. I felt like a failure, you know, in in that time. But um, I ended up meeting my husband, I had my daughter, and I said, you know, I want to start a golf marketing company. So I played golf and I knew a lot of people in the industry and because I was a female and there's not many females, uh, you know, I was respected and I was, doors were opened for me to go meet with the owners of these clubs and things like that. And I put together a golf card and it had, you know, about 15, you know, very nice premier golf courses that were either giving you a free round or a discount or something like that. And I sold those on eBay for $99 and mm-hmm. on Craigslist. I had no clue what I was doing. I had no training or anything. Um, and it was okay, but I realized there's people that have been in this business, large companies and corporations for 20, 30 years that I was trying to go up against and I thought, you know, I don't know that I don't know that little old me can, you know, yeah. can hack this. So then I started clothing and uh, bought clothes from California, resold those, and that was okay, but it's still 
never showed me that I could reach a certain really high potential that I was hoping for. And so at that time I decided, well, okay, I'm going to go work for my dad. My dad had a small business um, and I was just going to go work for him for like a year, you know, answering phones, doing mm-hmm. some things like that. And that was my plan, like work for him for a year, search, soul, you know, soul, soul search and figure out what is for me. And I ended up staying eight years. I'm a big daddy's girl. And yeah. I got in there and I was like, oh, I saw things. I wanted to fix them. I wanted to be of help. I wanted to watch his back when he wasn't, you know, in the office. And uh, then I just realized I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting old <laughs> and I've done nothing like this hasn't made me happy. I was always an entrepreneur to start. Like I always right. wanted to do my own thing. Yes. Always. Well, yes. Yeah, so you always had that spark. Always. Yeah, yeah. always. I mean, I was a, my husband calls it a dreamer. He's like, you're a dreamer. I'm like, well, I just have all these ideas, you know. So, yeah. 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 OK, so. But what year was it that you said, you know what, I'm going to go after real estate? Uh, it was 2016. Okay. So, so then yeah. what did you do? Uh, what was the first thing you did when you said, I'm, this is what I'm going to do? Yeah. So uh, taking action uh, and failing is definitely what I did. So I got my real estate license. Uh, not that it's a bad thing, but I just assumed that in order to be in real estate, no matter what facet, I would need my license. Mm-hmm. So I didn't tell anybody. I actually stayed up till three or four in the morning, sometimes pulled all nighters and studied after, you know, I came home from work and took care of the little one. And then everybody was asleep and mom was studying without anyone knowing. Um, I gave my dad a four month notice. And then as soon as I passed the test, I like popped the sign in the front yard and I was like, I'm out. I'm going to start flipping houses, you know? So that's what so I did. you got your license to flip houses. I got my license to flip. I knew nothing about wholesaling. I just said, yeah. you know, I want to flip houses. I'm going to get my license and that'll let me flip houses. You know, now I know better, but at the time I didn't. And yeah. so I did. I got my license. I passed the test on the first time, which I thought there was no way I was going to do that because school was never my thing. And even the professor that was teaching me in the class said, yeah, I had to take it three times. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to have to take it like 10, you know, Um, but I I passed it and and yeah, the rest is history. Okay. So then what was the first thing after you got your license? All right, I'm going to start flipping. Yeah. What did you do after that? So I was still working in the company. I gave my dad a four month notice. So once I got it, I told everybody there, it was a technicians, cable contractors, things like that. I told all the technicians, I'd known them you know, for a long time, like, listen, I, I'm gonna flip houses. Do you guys know of anyone that's selling a house? Do you have a house, You know anything? And there was actually these two twin brothers and they had um, inherited the home from uh, their father about four years ago and they were behind on taxes. And they said, you know what, we're actually, we got a letter and we're we're going to lose our house in the next couple months if mm-hmm. we don't do something. So I was like super excited. I went over there. I looked around the house, um, you know, from the books I'd read on, you know, rehabbing and stuff. I came up with some number and they they were a little unsure. And, and I was just trying to be buddies with them, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm like, well, we'll just kind of figure this out. And so then we ended up meeting, I guess, about three or four days later at a McDonald's and signed the contract at the McDonald's. And the rest um, kind of took place very organically, but somewhat had come by the office and given me a card uh, contractor. So they were B2B door knocking and said, mm-hmm. hey, me and my father, we have a contracting company. So I happened to have that card still. I called them. I said, hey, would you work on this house for me? Something that should have taken four weeks. I think it took like four and a half months. You know, Ooh. it was really, I mean, but I ended up making $35,000. And oh, that's, that's almost what I made in an entire year, like net 35. Yeah. Winning the and first I, deal. It it was it was huge. Yeah. I don't know to this day what would have happened if I just crashed. I mean, I don't know, but it was beautiful. And so after that, um, I found out about wholesaling and kind of moved along, uh, you know, the journey. So you you had success. You have confidence now because I think some of the people like, you know, it's wholesaling real, it's wholesaling real. Mm -hmm. And until you cash that first check, it's like 
is this really real? Of course, of right? course it is, yeah. So yeah, you got it, it's real. Yeah. And now you're like, now I'm gonna jump into wholesaling or you continue flipping? So I didn't, I, I still didn't really know what the whole wholesaling thing was. So I, I thought, you know, I have to flip. So I was like, okay, so I, I did this once, you know, if I could just do this three or four times a year, like, oh my gosh, I'm done, that's all I need. It's a lot less than hundred. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I started getting on Craigslist. Like I, I did, I knocked doors. Um, I talked to people, you, you know, like doors. I totally knocked on doors. Yeah, I did whatever I needed to do, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I got on Craigslist, I looked on, you know, anything I could think of of to find a house and I found a house on Craigslist that was in McKinney, Texas. It was for sale by owner and it looked like a good deal when I ran the numbers. So I ended up calling uh, the owner. She was actually lived out of state. She had moved and I got the house under contract for $90,000. And I got a call about four or five days later from um, a buyer. At this time, looking back, clearly a new title company was like, hey, this girl's new. She got this contract. Like you yeah. should reach out to her. Here's her number. But yeah. at the time I'm like, wow, Wow, this just fell from the sky. This guy just <laughs> figured out who I was. And yeah. no, I mean, that's clearly what happened. But he offered me $130,000, $40,000. I'm like, okay, I, but you know, I haven't done any work, right? He's like, yeah, I know. Like, I, I'll take it from you as is. I was like, whoa, what is this? So I started talking to some people. At that time, I think I'd gone to one or two real estate meetups. Mm -hmm. um, and they're like, that's wholesaling. It, it's wholesaling. So I did. So, I mean, the first deal, 35, second deal, 40. And Oh my gosh, I was so you in just love. <laughs> walked into wholesale and that worked out well. Totally walked into wholesaling, yeah. And that's then incredible. I, and then I needed to know though, like, how can I keep doing this? I can't just always find a deal on Craigslist because mm -hmm. it was not easy. I can't just knock doors every day. I mean, I guess I could, but I wanted to build something, right? Yeah. And uh, so then I joined a couple courses, things like that, learned out, you know, how to do it, how to scale it, and just copy. I didn't invent anything. I just right. copied. <laughs> so you mentioned you went to uh, an investor meetup. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So is there a big? Are there any big ones right now in Dallas? Propelio is my favorite. Um, yeah. I'll be honest with you. The only meetup, I've only gone to two meetups before Propelio. I, I don't, I'm kind of an introvert. People would never expect that from me. If I'm in my, my zone, I'm cool and I'm good. But mm -hmm. if I'm around a hundred people, I have no idea who they are. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to keep to myself over here. So yeah. I went to a few, but I just felt super awkward, didn't like it. But Propelio, I mean, I love Daniel. I love Ryan, all the people that are on the show. I've, you know, hosted the Iron Hills before. Yeah. So that's like my family. So Propelio puts on by far the most amazing event in Dallas. So you're in it's Dallas. So awesome. Check out the Propelio. Oh, you have to. Meetup. It's the best. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that you and I talked about um, before when you know, were talking about coming on the show, right, uh, was that you know you get a lot of um, people looking down, not looking down, but questioning. Mm -hmm. Is Jamie really doing this on her own? Oh yeah, yeah. Can you talk about that? Because I, you know, one of the things that we experience, uh, uh, I've had multiple people say, you know, like, hey, it's awesome having a female on the show, you know, and I think that it can be a little discouraging. Mm -hmm. So I want you to talk about that and talk about how you overcame, you know, this right. sexism. Right. No, hundred percent. So I think just, you know, this kind of goes back to growing up. Like I was always, you know, um, you know, I had a lot of girlfriends, but I enjoyed hanging around the guys. Like mm -hmm. it was just very straight talk and like, we're going to tell it how it is. And the girls, I mean, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Uh, so then I played golf and again, like you're talking about on a golf course, I may be the only female out of two, 300 people that have touched that course today. If not, it was maybe some older women in their 60s, 70s, 80s. So mm -hmm. I was, you know, always, um, you know, kind of out of the norm in my element anyways. 
So to me, it was never um, an issue coming into the wholesaling industry with lots of men. It just felt like home, honestly. Yeah. I never even thought a thing about it. And I didn't realize there wasn't that many women doing this, let alone on their own. They may be doing it with their husband and they're doing it rightfully just as much so, but mm -hmm. they've got a partner or something. Um, you know, as far as like if people are wondering if it's going on or if it's happening, like, yes, it's going on. Yes, it's happening. Um, 100 plus deals. That's what me and my team do. I have a team of 15 at this mm -hmm. point. Um, I don't have any help. My husband actually has his own business and we kind of have a rule that we're not allowed to talk about my business. So um, <laughs> because I love it, I'm so obsessed with what I do. Oh, that it's his rule. <laughs> Yeah, it's his role. Yeah. So like, yeah, so he really doesn't even know half of what I do, to be honest with you, because yeah. it's just we kind of keep that separate. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, I do it. I do it by myself with my team, not at anywhere near by myself with yeah. without my team. I would be nothing, or, um, you know, or have so success. Do you have any words of advice for women that are getting started in wholesaling? Like, are there challenges that you experience because you're a female? And the wholesale business. Honestly, no, I didn't. Okay. I didn't feel that, but my mindset wasn't that going into it, right? Yeah. I think that's huge, you know. Um, and again, I felt comfortable in that situation. That's always been my comfort zone, you yeah. know. So it's not an issue with me. Um, I think for women that you know, you can look at any other profession, industry, whatever, and there is amazing, successful women to look up to. So although there may not be that many in the wholesaling industry, which there are more and more, you know, and, yeah. and some amazing, you know, Elizabeth's women. coming to hang out. Tomorrow. Elizabeth, yeah, I love Elizabeth. Yes. Yeah. So there are many amazing women, but if you look and you say there's a hundred male gurus killing it or gurus, let's mm -hmm. say that, you know, and there's five, you know, women that that shouldn't be discouraging on on any level. It should actually excite you. Like, can I be one of those handful of women in this industry? There's yeah. nothing that a man can do that we can't do like at all. So right. there's no reason not to push forward and, and go ahead. And I think another advantage that women have in this industry is they can reach out to the other women and we will, I will open up a time slot more for a mm. female than I would a male, uh, just because I'm all about like empowering women and inspiring women. And so I think that if I realize that there is a woman that really does want to learn and they're willing to put in the work, like I'll make sure to carve out my time for them, yeah. you know? And I, I think that's an advantage, honestly. You yeah. have to look at it in the right way. Well, and I think that's huge because I've had, you know, other people kind of give me a little, like, you know, flag, like, why aren't there any women on your team? Uh -huh. Like, I don't know. Like, this is what I attract. Right? Yeah. I, I attract young single men. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's not by design, but this, right. is, this is who's attracted to this industry, Yeah. at least in the Arizona market. I understand. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, you got your first wholesale deal, which was great. Yes. Right? Fell out of sky, mm -hmm. 40K. What struggles did you have getting your wholesaling business up and running after that? Yeah, a, a lot of struggles, honestly. Um, I mean, you know, how to find leads. I mean, that's kind of a question that everybody asks in the beginning is like, how do I find leads? Um, building a team, I am, a big fault of mine is my my drive and my passion. I just feel like, why doesn't everybody want to be like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And managing and systems and processes. I'm thinking like on this whole nother level and my visionary gets really high. And so I forget sometimes about the details and the training and the, so because I wanted to go really fast, I kind of just put a warm butt in the seat, mm -hmm. right? And so right people, right seat, I was like, anybody, any seat kind of thing, you know? And when I first started hiring, 
my thought process was, look, if you're a good person and you're reliable, I'll mold you and teach you and help you grow. And that there, that's a good thought process. You know, I was coming from it in the right mindset and place, but it doesn't work like that. Perfect world. <laughs> in a perfect world, <laughs> but it doesn't work like that. And it yeah. has taken me years to figure that out because I, I'm a loving person, I'm a people pleaser, and I want to help. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, I can take you and like show you this and you can grow and it doesn't work like that. Like no. they either have it or they don't. They either want it or they don't. And it took me a while to finally realize that. And so I'd say that was the biggest struggle and challenge to to growing my business is finding the right people. And really though, like I take ownership of that. That was on yeah. me. <laughs> well, and I think we all have that challenge, yeah. right? So eventually you figured that out. Yes. So then do you have like a better hiring process now? Or what did you do to overcome yeah. this you know, challenge that you're having before? So uh, the better hiring process would be, I will kind of help my COO with the um, looking at resumes and things like that. But then I have to let her take it from there because if someone walks in and yeah, it's been hard for me and I've, I'm in like, you're hired, you know, yeah. like I can't do it. Like I will totally hire them and I'll mess everything up. So I have to give her the, the power and empower her to make those decisions because she helps with my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So um, she's done the last few and they've done, <laughs> they've been really well. So um, I think allowing someone else to come in maybe where you are weak or you struggle. I do definitely, um, I like to use Wise Hire and Indeed both. Although Wise Hire is supposed to post to Indeed, mm-hmm. I have found that I use both. And it's funny, like, I feel like your sales team, you'll find more on the Indeed and Wise Hire more on kind of the admin, I guess is what I've seen. Uh, I love the disk test. I think that's very important. Um, talking to referrals. So I would be so quick to hire. It's like, oh, I just, I trust you. You're such mm-hmm. a good person. Come on, you know? And yeah. now it's like, Ashlyn, did you call all three referrals? Did they all answer? You know, did you like Oh, you're going out? that deep now. Oh yeah, like definitely calling the referrals, checking their discs. Like it's important. I mm-hmm. want to grow and I want, it's not only for me, it's like, I want my team to thrive. I want them to make the money they want, be successful. And if I make a wrong choice in hiring, it's not just affecting Jamie, it affects everyone. Because in small business, every single person plays such an intricate part of your company, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and it's actually for that reason, I'm not allowed to interview anymore either. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so uh, other people have to get involved. So like they can see with realistic lenses. Right, right. Everyone, I see the best version of everybody. Yes, yes. It's a good trait, but not yeah, when not for you're hiring. hiring. <laughs> not for hiring. Uh, so obviously you have a lot of peers in the Dallas market. Yeah. So how is your operation different than your friends and competitors in that market? You know, I thought about that because I listen to your podcast all the time. And, and when you asked it, I'm like, man, how are we different? Because, you know, I think we're all very similar. What I believe makes us different is we are willing to go the extra mile and do whatever That to me comes from top down. So when I was first getting into this business, some of my largest deals were because I did things that I've never heard anybody else talk about, you know, like took somebody around to, you know, 10 different storage facilities to find where are they gonna put their stuff. Took them to three and four apartment complexes on a Saturday, took the whole hour and a half tour to each one, you know, with them, you know, drove them to the title company. All of those types of things went and packed up their house. And when their wife had passed away and they were very vulnerable about certain things, sat there and let them, you know, cry on my shoulder. And then we talked about how we're gonna pack. Those are things that when you were have that conveyor belt and you're going so mm-hmm. fast, 
you forget about, right? Yeah. Those are the things though that make those big deals, that get those referrals, and that at the end of the day, it will all come back to you in some form or fashion. And that's something that I love telling my team, certain examples, certain people, certain houses. Um, I can sit there and lead by example, like, look, I knock doors, so I don't feel bad if you're gonna have to make a couple cold calls or text a little bit, like mm-hmm. get over it. You know, like I did all of these things, like go pick him up and take him to title, take him to lunch, whatever you need to do. So take in dogs, treats, things like that. If somebody's sick, we did a follow-up call and they're sick, but we know they're like right on the edge like they're going to get some soup and some crackers delivered from us right. you know just little things like That's that awesome. they don't cost a lot uh, but I think that that differentiates us um, and I think that uh, you know we just try to look a little bit deeper. And I know that's what we're supposed to do. We're looking deep, finding the problem, solving that. But we try to just go a little bit above and beyond, you know, help them with the state sales, find their next house, uh, find their next rental. We just recently, we were working really hard. Somebody was in bankruptcy. They couldn't find a rental. Uh, They actually ended up finding one on their own. But, you know, we work behind the scenes. Like I reached out to investors, who's got this, posted things, looked on Craigslist. Just those things. It, it does take time, but you know that that's what we, we got to do. We get paid really well. We get paid really, really well for our time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I do appreciate all that extra thoughtfulness. I think that does make a big, big difference. It does. Uh, so you mentioned that you're licensed. Yes. So how much your business is? I mean, are you doing any traditional? How much wholesaling? How much flipping? I do not do any traditional at all. I mean, the only reason I ever got you know my license was to save the three percent on my flips mm-hmm. and to have access to MLS. Again, before I knew all of this stuff, it was like blank. I need a real estate license and I can list my flips. That's yeah. all I knew. So I have kept it active. Um, you know, I, I don't ever know what tomorrow brings. So for me, it's like why not keep it active? I did the hard work in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, and I've listed I think like two properties for my family, and that's it. So yeah. I, I don't in that arena right now. Okay. So then how much is flip? How much is wholesale? So flipping would be um, about 10% and wholesale would be about 90. I would say something like that. So we do one to two flips a month. Mm -hmm. um, And then the rest we do wholesale or like a subject to or owner finance or buy and hold things like that. So, you know, I am of course trying to build up a portfolio and create residual income because that would be the end goal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then one thing that we've also talked about offline is you've got this really awesome Facebook group. Yeah. Can you talk about it? Yeah. So uh, Next Level Flipping is a Facebook group that we have created. It is actually an online mastermind, basically. So, you know, I am in masterminds and I think we all know about many, many masterminds Mm -hmm. and I think they're all amazing. But one thing that, you know, was really a struggle with me, honestly, uh, was the fact that, you know, being a mom, my husband is an entrepreneur and he has to travel every other week for two or three days. Oh, he has to travel too. He travels too. You know, he's got like 13 different offices. So he's always, you know, going somewhere. So although I have dreams and aspirations, very, very large ones, right now my main job is being mom, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It comes before anything else. And so I'd feel really bad because I'd be gone at something and, you know, Madison's like, mom, you missed this or you missed that. And I had, up until this point of the business, had never missed a field day, never missed a practice, never missed a drop off or pick up at school. So I was like that mom that made it happen. And I still do really well at making it happen, but, this was a way for me to get the benefit out of a mastermind 
and be able to also get the benefit out of other masterminds because it's like, look, we've got people from all different masterminds that are, are coming together mm-hmm. and we're all sharing the knowledge that we learn in our daily businesses that we learn in these masterminds and we can all help one another out, but we can do it at midnight eating popcorn in our PJs while there's a movie playing in the background mm-hmm. or something. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, also the price point, you know, I mean, I would be, if it wasn't for me being a mom, I would probably be in all five, 10 masterminds. Mm-hmm. Now I'd have to take a look at it. Do I want to pay $400,000 a year for masterminds? Probably not. Right. So at some point I want to know, you know, the top investors, I want to know the best of the best, but I don't want to get stuck in only knowing the ones in my, in my arena. I want to know everybody. So to me, this was a way like I can get to know everybody. I can network and uh, we can offer just something that's affordable on top of what you already have or if that's not for you if you don't want to travel a lot of people are getting into this business for freedom Mm -hmm. to be with your family more time this will allow you to have that more time my husband and i you know had an argument recently he's like listen you know i go out of town you go out of town and then when it comes to like let's have a vacation it's like well we've just been going out of town so much like our daughter should not suffer because we're already (laughs) traveling and on planes you know right and so i think that was something too that like it it happens in a family dynamic you know so trying to alleviate all of that. What's the name of that group? That is the Next Level Flipping. So Next Level Flipping Online Mastermind. You can go to uh, nextlevelflipping.com and find out more about it. And then we also have the Rising Stars, which uh, we're not releasing until the 15th, but a very, very good friend of mine is going to be running the Rising Stars. So uh, Next Level Flipping is for higher level investors, and we want to help them grow and, and scale their business to you know a million net. That's our goal is 100, 100 investors at a million dollars net. Mm-hmm. But there are people that are still taking action and doing really well that we would like to help grow their business to where they can you know get into that. So yeah, pretty cool stuff. Awesome. So one thing that you were talking a little bit about is you know spending time with your daughter. Yeah. And that's something that's really important for me. We we're actually just talking about it before the show. Yeah. Like every Wednesday, I take my kids to the piano. I love that. Uh, I respect and, and kung that. Fu, mm-hmm. Right. So, do you have any advice for people that are in the business that are struggling with that balance? Man, it's it's hard. I don't I don't know anybody that's really achieved the level of success, um, you know, in our industry that that you may want without having to sacrifice. You know, mm-hmm. I think that if you sit down and you give yourself a timeline, you know, like, hey, I'm going to give myself two years and I'm going to grind it out. Uh, but these are non-negotiables. I won't miss this. I won't miss this, whatever that is. Uh, my non-negotiables were like she's in club volleyball, like I will not miss a club volleyball tournament. Like if the mastermind I'm in falls on it, if there's whatever it is, I'm not going. Like I won't miss those. Um, I wanted to be the one to take her to school every day. You know, I could hire someone to do that, but uh, that she feels, you know, she doesn't feel like I'm there. You know, I mean, it's it's not about the money. So I think that work-life balance is a thing that everybody would love to achieve and just pick up and say, I've got it. It is a lot harder than it seems, Mm -hmm. um, especially when you have a very obsessive mindset the way that I do as to where I want to go. But I think you just have to have those non-negotiables. And I think those times and those memories created during those, you know, moments are going to, in the end, that's really what you remember as a kid, you know, those special moments and memories. I don't think you probably remember how every day went at four o'clock or every meal or, you know, I think you remember the special things. So make those special things special, put work away, capture those. And then, you know, when they get older, they're going to see like, wow, like, you know, look what they did to achieve and the sacrifices and hopefully you're changing, you know, changing legacy down the road for many years to come by having that sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, so Corey Thompson was here and we had talked mm-hmm. about that and he was talking about how the he would take Emery 
Wherever. I love it. I just commented on an Instagram photo of his yesterday. Yeah. I was like, just in case you haven't heard, I think you're an amazing dad. I think it's so cool. Like she's going to rock, like she's going to kick butt. She is. She's going to kick butt. So he was talking about like, you know, we've done this, this, and this. Uh-huh. And the things that she's like, remember is, ex- is most excited about the trip. It's like, why is that the yeah. memory? But you never exactly. know what's the memory. You never know. You don't ever know. And so yeah. you just have to make those moments count when they are there, right? Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, so Charles Nguyen wants to know, you know, it's amazing how fast you've grown your company. If you had to do it again, what would you do to scale it even faster or better? Oh, wow. Um, oh, man. Um, well, I, I believe very strongly I could have easily scaled it faster and better if I would have not allowed myself to be the one in the hiring process. <laughs> I mean, I know that is that crippled me for yeah. a while as far as how quickly I could grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that would be the number one thing is, is really learning and getting to understand a hiring process, what type of person you're looking at, you know, for that role. The beautiful thing is you can find all of those things out on YouTube University right now, you mm-hmm. know? And so that's, if I was to go back, it would be to hire very, very differently because I feel like everything else, I really wouldn't have changed much of, just different people. Yeah, and I think that's a great answer. And I think on, on a higher level mm-hmm. is just being more self-aware of what your challenges and weaknesses Definitely. are. Definitely. And plugging those sooner. <laughs> Definitely so. Yeah. But I mean, that's a very great point. So what does your organization look like today? Yeah. So um, I have, it starts kind of from the top, my COO, Ashlyn. Uh, she's also now my best friend. So, I mean, we're like buds. Um, it's it's an interesting dynamic. A lot of people would say, don't do that. But we weren't best friends beforehand. So it's evolved into that. Mm-hmm. She's my right hand and I couldn't do anything that I do without her. So first and foremost, I'm so grateful for her. Um, and then I've got uh, Sabrina who is my transaction coordinator. I have Tim, who is my dispositions. I have Jana and Lexi, who do our lead intake for us. We have four VAs uh, that have worked with us um, for a while now. It's actually two couples, so they're both married and they'll get in the same house and do their work together. So it's really fun, they, hmm. they love it. Like they have a great time working yeah. for us. And then I have uh, four guys that uh, do all of the contracting for me. So they work for me solely. It was people I knew from my hometown um, and so, it's 15 people all together if you count the VAs and the, the contractors. Contracting as in time. they're going to the houses? No, contracting as in when we do a flip, like that's my crew. Like my gotcha. crew, that's my crew full time that like, you know, stays with me um, a few times. If for some reason we didn't have a tenant get out on time or something crazy happens, like um, I've got a girl in town and I'll say, hey, do you need to use them for a week or two? So it's cool. We, we work that out. But yeah. Okay. So then uh, the VAs are cold calling? No, no, the VAs do not cold call. Uh, The VAs, actually, I have one VA that does all of the marketing for my dispositions. So, I mean, we've trained her, we've had to work with her, you know, Mm -hmm. but she's amazing at it. So she'll set up, you know, all of my email blasts going out, um, all the Facebook posts and things like that. So basically her main job is just to do all of the marketing for our properties for us, Uh, but she's very well versed. So if we need something like assistant like really quick, she helps out with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the VAs does comps only. He's amazing at doing comps and that has kind of been a, I don't know, I asked Ashley, I said, how does, how is he so good at it? She's like, I honestly don't know. So yeah. he, he's done it in the past for a, a brokerage or something, mm. but it, he's really, really good. I, I, the only thing I don't let him do is like if it's close to commercial or land or there's an RV or mobile home or something out of the ordinary, but if it's cookie cutter, he's spot on solid. Yeah. 
Um, and the other VA does like follow-up texts, follow-up calls, kind of does follow-up, like clearing out of our CRM, um, moving things. We've changed CRMs way too much yeah. uh, within the business. And so she kind of is on, on cleanup duty. And so that's that's kind of mainly what, what they do for us, you know, currently. Okay, so you said intake. So you have two people, two, two yes. ladies doing intake. Yes. What mm-hmm. are they intaking? So they're intaking uh, phone calls. Um, that would be from like direct mail, RVM, anything SEO. They uh, help with like text messaging, um, all of those kinds of things. So it, they're not only intaking, they're also doing, you know, outbound, whatever mm-hmm. that may look like. So sometimes I'll have them, you know, do cold calling, uh, call on our follow-ups, things like that. Okay. So just basically management of the leads. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So is there, a, is there a lot of cold calling in your operation? No, there's not. Uh, we we will do one-offs. So like sometimes my acquisition will cold call. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'll have one of our VAs like, you know, cold call for a while. And sometimes we'll have the lead intakes do a little bit. We did have up to uh, six cold callers in-house at one time. And it was horrible. The management of them was horrible. My yeah. COO now turned into a cold call manager, you mm-hmm. know, and it's just, it just wasn't for me. Um, you know, I think that it takes a certain person to manage that. And it was not, um, it was draining her energy. And I knew by far it would drain mine. And so we just, at that point, we just said, you know what, we're we're hanging it up. So um, I have tried some other, um, you know, outbound cold calling. And, you know, I I think they work over time. I'm I'm sure they work, but I personally, we don't do a lot of that uh, at all. So we do actually partner though with um, someone that's in my mastermind. And so he will do cold calling on our data and then mm-hmm. we'll split the deal 50 50. Oh. Since I'm not, to me, it's like if I'm skip tracing the phone number, I need to be using it, right? Mm-hmm. And so if I'm only using, uh, you know, 50% of it, that doesn't make any sense. I want the best ROI. So I called him, I'm like, listen, like I'm not cold calling, you know, we do like spurts here and there, but if you want, you can have the whole database and just cold call and we'll split it 50 50. He's like, heck yes, you know, All so right. it works out well for both of us. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So what is your number one lead source? Number one lead source um, right now, I would say uh, texting and RVM are mm-hmm. you know kind of head to head. It used to be direct mail and pay per click, and I pulled out of those, and so uh, the cost was just too high with pay per click. We're doing direct mail again, but we just restarted direct mail with a, a new type of campaign. I'm going to mm-hmm. kind of test out, and so those right now would be my highest uh, return on investment for sure. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and then what would you say is your specialty? Like what, where are you having the best luck? Um, me personally or our company, like specialty? Your company. Like, okay, um, our company. Our specialty is really just how can we monetize each property? So it's not that we're, we specialize, I don't, I wouldn't say in any anything specifically. It's that when a property comes in, I want to look at it from five different lenses. You know, I want to say, how would this look as a flip? How would this look as a wholesale? How would this look like as a buy and hold? How would this look if we, you know, did this? I mean, just, we try to look at everything and see, can we subdivide that land? Can we do this? So I think that that is, um, I think that would probably be my answer, I guess, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we got a whole bunch of questions through here. So let me see if I can get through this. uh, so Sishanika wants to know, why do you think there aren't as many women in this industry reaching the higher income levels? And we kind of talked about it a little bit, but maybe address that specifically. Man, um, that's a good question though. Why aren't there at the higher income levels? You know, I don't know. I'm probably not the best person to ask that question because yeah. I don't see why there wouldn't be. Like, I mean, I really don't. I, I, I can't even really think of an answer. Um, 
unless it's just the intimidation factor that there's a lot of men or the fact that, you know, it does take some grit and grind in the beginning. Like, are you willing to get grimy? Are you willing to hustle? Like, will you go knock doors for real? Like, I mean, I think some girls, like, they want it, but, like, are they really going to, like, do what it needs to, you know, happen to make it happen? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So if I if I had to pull something out of the hat, that would be my answer. Okay. Uh, let's see what else is there. Uh, so Elizabeth asked top three. So there we got that. Uh, so you said you've gone through multiple CRMs. What's the latest yeah. flavor? Uh, <laughs> well, it's the latest and it's staying. I promised um, Ashlyn that I would not change for three to five years. That was my like three minimum though. Um, okay. Beast mode. I'm in love with it because it's all on one page. It's simple and I don't care. I mean, it has all the bells and whistles I need. I have been like it's been ridiculous how sidetracked I've gotten and how much of a bind it has mm-hmm. put my team in to change and train on all of these different systems. So I think we've been through four and probably spent over seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars at this point. So you'd think I would have like this massive robust, but no. So we're beast mode. I love it. I'm a big beast mode Donald Ross fan, like yeah. hands down. I'm a big Don Ross fan as well. Love I actually it. recommend people all the time. Uh, they're asking. Go it's to, great. Go it's to beast simple mode. and it's, yeah, it's easy to use. Um, okay, so Wendell Madrid wants to know who selects the escrow company in the closing. Um, who selects that? So we we select that um, in in our wholesales. We select that. Uh, if for any reason though, again, like we we want to do what is best for the homeowner. So if for any reason they say, hey, my sister in law works at so and so, like I have no issue closing there. If they know how to handle assignments, if they don't and it's a good deal, I'll double close on it. Mm-hmm. You know. Double, double closing is not an issue. We'll double close if we need to, but it's just, you know, it, it kind of breaks our system up a little bit, you know? Uh, right. Uh, are there any key KPIs that you guys are tracking that's important to you guys? Key KPIs. Um, I think the basic, all the basic metrics, you know, we, we track. I'm trying to think if there's anything that's different uh, that we're tracking. Um, I wouldn't say we're really tracking anything different. I think yeah. just the, your basic, you know, indicators are what matters in this business, honestly. Okay. Uh, and then, so we're talking about 100 deals a year. That's You guys are still on pace for 100 deals a year? We are on pace for over 100 deals this year. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, we should we should do it. Um, I'm, I'm kind of not with the number anymore, though, and more about the revenue. So when I first got into the business, I, I put a number in my head and I said, if I can do 100 deals, you know, in a year, like I've made it, right? Yeah. And then I kept thinking, like, I need to keep doing 100 deals. But I'm at the point now where I guess I've grown up, <laughs> I've matured in the fact that it doesn't matter if you're doing 100 deals and you know only making $100,000 a year. What if you could do 20 deals and make $700,000 a year? Mm-hmm. So I try to kind of keep the number of deals out of my mindset now because really it's like we just want to grow our revenue as a company and our expense percentage to go uh, down and revenue to go up. That's the part that matters the most. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned that you have VA that's specifically in charge for disposition or the marketing for disposition. Yes. So can you elaborate what you guys do for disposition? Definitely. So um, once we get a property under contract, uh, we will then send all that information over to our VA. And that is uh, up to my dispositions uh, manager to do that. And he'll let her know everything about the property, kind of how he wants that email laid out, how the Facebook ads should look like. And then she'll put all of that together. She then will go and post everything on Facebook. We have buyers who have opted in through text to get 24 hour notice of our deals. And so we will send all of our deals out uh, 24 hours in advance. 
months and uh, you know see those offers and if we like something we'll go ahead and you know make make that happen if not we'll go ahead and proceed with sending the email blast out uh, we give that three or four days if for any reason we see that you know we put it out there too high or something like that you know we'll meet about it and say look should we lower our asking price things like that um, but yeah. kind of basically pretty simple uh, we do sell quite a few um, sight unseen we try to take good photos things like that uh, but if we need to get in and do a walkthrough we'll do that as well so yeah I just have one guy and that's all he focuses on and it works out really well uh, talk about that Facebook ad. can you elaborate a little bit more okay about what the Facebook person does yeah because I don't know a okay. lot of people that are doing Facebook disposition oh okay okay most definitely yeah so uh, she'll just put all of our deals on Facebook and put them in any group that basically will allow us to, you know, put them in there. The buy-sell groups? Yeah, the buy-sell groups. Well, yeah, I think we had to create a new, I got kicked out. I get so mad. I go on Marketplace because Corey will talk about something like, look at this cool thing I found on Marketplace. And I forget that I got kicked out because I used to let them use mine. <laughs> and I'll go on, I'm like, dang it. You know, like I can't get into Marketplace. And I've asked them so nicely. I'm like, please let me back in. They're like, no. So yes, but market, she'll do Marketplace. She'll go to, um, you know, like DFW real estate, you know, just local pages, mm -hmm. lo local Facebook pages that we have for investors and post on all of those. And then she'll have a spreadsheet. So once we are finished with that property, she'll either delete that out of there or mark sold or something like that. That also will help grow your buyers list though. So, you know, if she's posting to all these different groups and things like that, and people are like, hey, send me the deal. If they're not on our email list, then we now have added new buyers to our list that way. Yeah. So in turn, she's, you know, adding new buyers and it's showing that like our company's doing deals like it, it just keeps our our name at the forefront which also adds a lot of JV deals to you know our our company a lot of people see like look I see you're moving a lot of houses I see you everywhere can can you help me sell this so I'm like sure you know so we don't do any advertising or marketing to do JV deals but yet they come organically you know that's awesome it is it doesn't great. cost you anything extra. it doesn't cost me anything it's great yeah uh, okay so I uh, what markets are you in I am in Dallas, Fort Worth um, and all surrounding markets. So, I mean, we have gone into four or five different states before to mm -hmm. test it out. I mean, I, I just had to, I kept, it was always in the back of my mind, like, should I go virtual? What could I do virtual? I've had people tell me if you can kill it in Dallas, like, oh, what could you do here? You know? And so I did, it was not planned. It was not methodical. I was like, let's just go in these five and see what happens. We ended up getting like 25 deals under contract and it was crazy. And then it was like, oh, we have to sell all of these, you know, we have one person. So we, we made money, but if I was to do it again, I would strategically go into one market, put the game plan together, all of that. But I feel like in Dallas, Fort Worth and the surrounding counties around that, there's just, there's enough there that I don't have to recreate any system. I can just yeah. keep growing within my own, you know, own Metroplex, honestly. Uh, Elizabeth wants to know, Neverett wants to know, what's your current cost per lead? Our current cost per lead is about lead or deal? Both. Okay, so lead is a really tricky thing because I mean, if, if you're combining that on an organic, like with all of our lead sources, that's a number that I really don't have as far as like a combined number, but lead, uh, but deal or cost per contract is about 3,500. 3, it used to be at 5,800. And so we've brought it down drastically. Man. And that's basically, I literally like threw my hands up and I told my team, I said, I'm not marketing for like two months. Like y'all are going to dig and do all of this because we are spending too much money on marketing. You know, 8,800 was my pay-per-click cost, 8,800. Now, That's believable. 
now if you i mean you can still make money yes but when you were scaling if it was me sitting at home and it's just me and paperclick and the and the homeowner like we're good to go but when you have a 75k nut to cover every month those 8800 deals your profit margin gets very thin right mm -hmm. oh absolutely so we were i was like i'm kicking out all the expensive lead sources and we're going back to the drawing board like i keep hearing people on podcasts like in my area be like oh eight hundred dollars i'm like what you know so i i don't feel like we need to get down to that i'm happy at thirty five hundred dollars like i'll play that game all day long that's incredible yeah um and then a uh, follow-up question from elizabeth is what current role do you play within your company so i think my main role is to lead and motivate and teach um, Ashley and I actually had that conversation today. We have the right people and they're in the right seats. How can I get what I have for, you know, three plus years in my brain into your brain in a matter of months? You mm -hmm. can't, it just, you just can't do it. So we can I figure that out. That's a billion dollar yeah, idea. It, it totally is. Right. Yeah. And so I think that that is, that's our biggest struggle as a company. And that's what my job is to do that. You know, um, I used to think that. When I first got into this, the people who were teaching me are amazing, and I think they're awesome, but I really believed with all my heart, if I did not pull myself out of the business to where like I was only going to the office one day a week for an hour for you know a meeting and like that I wasn't successful. If I couldn't go live on the beach and just do a meeting phone call, you know, an hour a week, I probably hadn't made it yet. Mm -hmm. And I now think that's the most wrong thing ever. Like, look at all of your sports teams. Like, they are amazing players. Th these athletes like will crush it, right? Mm -hmm. Why do they have a coach? Why do they need a coach? Like, what's the point? The coach can just go on the beach, right? They're still gonna win the series. Like, mm -hmm. no, they're not. They need somebody to lead them. They need somebody to be there every day. And I bounced out and I played that like, oh, y'all got this. And I saw my business, like it was terrible. It was the worst decision I ever made. And I fixed that. So I'm now, I go to the office every day. I'm working anyways. It's not yeah. like I'm eating bonbons and watching Netflix or something. So I'm working, it's my personality. Um, so it's just, when I hear something, I go over there and I try to help them. I try to grow. That's my job is just to lead and grow my team to become better as as people better at their role and in turn we will all you know grow uh, the company and grow to meet our financial desires within the company as well awesome yeah. and then rj wants to know what's up rj what's up? um what are your plans for creating passive income oh yeah so that's cool so definitely um right now what i'm doing i actually have a couple offers on some land uh you know everyone is talking about wholesaling and flipping and multifamily. when i got into this business i knew nothing about it was competitive everybody's like wow you're in a competitive market doing this and my mindset wasn't the fact that oh i'm trying to do something that's it's it's hard you mm -hmm. know i didn't even know better so i think right now now that i see you know, it, it's getting more popular and more gurus and doers are out, you know, bringing programs and things like that. I want to go where no one's talking about, like where I hardly ever hear anything about. So I want to look at, you know, doing some land acquisitions, putting some manufactured modular homes, things like that on those in rural areas where there's only three houses under 150,000. So all three of us can go in there and we can all have a field day with it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm providing something that is needed. Affordable housing is needed and it's actually easy scalable systematizable i know all the right people that i need to know with that and so i'm going to i want to keep some i want to keep like 25 or 30. i want to under finance 25 or 30 and then i want to like flip 25 or 30. and so i think that and i've got 
about four years left to do that until like that's my I've given myself like yeah. a deadline. Um, and so if I do that, like I'll be good with passive. Um, and then I'll also have something that I can pass down. And of course, after that, I'm still going to keep doing. But that'll that'll put the pacifier yeah, in my stop. that'll pacify me for a moment, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, people like us, we don't stop. We don't know when to stop. No, no, uh, that's a problem. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned the 75K, you know, uh, nut. So is that your overhead today? Yeah, that, that's my overhead. I mean, that includes my salary. That includes everything, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, my, our marketing budget is about 35000 right now. It was up to fifty five at one point in time. And mm -hmm. so, again, I'm really proud of myself. Some people might think that's, that's a lot. And some people might say, oh, that's nothing. But for me, like I'm proud of the 35 because I've we shaved a lot and I'm proud of where our expenses are at, you know, and things like that. Um, we we worked really hard to kind of dial that dial that down so we could be more profitable. So yeah. Awesome. Uh, any valuable resources that you want to share? Something that people need to go check out? Oh man, valuable resources. Well, uh, you know, a lot of people say, "What do you do if you don't have any money?" You know, how do you get started in this business? And I think. Um, I think there's so much information online. Um, and so I guess what I would say is I think like the Titanium uh, Vault podcast, I think your podcast and I think Propelio, if you just stick to like yours, uh, RJ's and Propelio and all the videos they have, like you'll learn enough to be able to move forward and, and make a move and do something with yourself. I think those are good resources. Um, if you're already in the business, um, and we talked about beast mode, um, you know, are, are you mean systems and softwares and things like that, or just whatever resources? people need to go check out? Oh, okay, just resources. Um, yeah, I mean Gary Harper's here. So. Oh, oh, definitely, yeah. So sharper, definitely sharper. Um, uh, if you're looking to like scale your business and do EOS and things like that, Gary Harper's amazing. Sharper. Yep. I mean, he helps me and my team. Um, he did an event, uh, a COO event, um, with um, Eddie Wilson, who. If I was to say number one like person ever that I admire, it's Eddie Wilson, like hands down, it just is. Um, but Ashlyn learned so much from that. So he offers just an array of services. Um, Mike Hambry, anything he's putting out or doing, like I back it 100%. Like I love Mike, good, good friend of mine. And I think he's got amazing, you know, things that he's doing as well. So yeah, yeah. waiting for him. I was talking to him a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Waiting for him to come on the show. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to nudge him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your why? My why, so in the beginning, my why was really um, out of, again, that fear. Like, I don't, what would my life look like? Like, if, a, if something happened to my, you know, better half, you, you may say. And so that, that evolved now to, I always felt like I had um, a mission, a purpose, and a passion to help other women or girls um, in some form or fashion. But I was always a little edgy. So I was like, well, I can't ever like go and preach or something. Like I'll probably say a cuss word like in the middle of my sermon or something like that. Like, yeah. so I didn't feel clean cut enough to do those things. And then when I thought, well, maybe I could like, you know, speak about this or that. I'm like, but wait, if you think about it, I mean, just real talk. If you're listening to somebody about something motivational, if you're listening to somebody and they are inspiring you, they have reached some level of success. Me working as an office manager at $40,000, that's not like this like, hey, you know? So I think I want to get to where I have my passive income, my team is doing its thing, and you know, I feel like I've created enough to where I can stand in front of you know women and say, listen, 
here's all the things that I have been through and there's no reason why you cannot achieve this. And I couldn't do that. If, like, no reason you can't be an office manager. Like, yeah. you know, that's just not sexy. Let's just be honest. All right. So my end goal really is to to give back. And it doesn't have to be on a stage or a platform. Like, I would love to be the next female Tony Robbins, but I'm a little old. I think it might have already passed me by. I think he's older. Uh, uh, well, but he started, I, I believe, probably <laughs> a, a lot younger yeah, than Yeah, I think me, he started in his I, 20s. Yeah, I, I would love to inspire and, and do whatever. But I think um, even if it's on a, a small level going to – lower income communities and, you know, speaking to the, the girls in high school and just empowering them to have a different mindset. You know, I was taught go to school, go to college and all of that. And if not, you're a failure. I mean, they didn't say that exactly, but they might as well had. Right. Right. So I just want people to know that, you know, it doesn't matter what they've been through. Um, I, I've been through so much. The only thing really I haven't been through is like divorce or murder. I mean, mm. I even had cancer on my leg. So all of the things that somebody could be like, well, but you haven't done this or you haven't been. Th- yeah, I have actually. So personally, right. so don't give me excuses. Right. So I feel like I am able to reach a vast amount of women and be like, look, no excuses and help hold them up and lift them up. And again, it doesn't have to be anything paid, but I want to know that my financial things are taken care of. I can take care of my daughter and I can take care of my home and then I can spend this energy and this passion and the drive and, you know, I'm going to work, I'm going to do something. So why not like leave an imprint, you know, bigger than giving houses, you know, to my family, like I'm going to leave a legacy, but I'd rather touch people's lives and have them touch others. And I think that would, that would make me feel like I've made more of an impact at the yeah. end of the day, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what is your biggest struggle right now? Biggest struggle. Um, biggest struggle in our business is, is again, like, how can I teach, you know, you everything that I know? I mean, that that's our biggest struggle. We have the right people right now. I love our team. Like, I'm in love with who we have on our team. Um, the acquisitions, you know, are saying, look, if I need to do this or stay later. And I've never had that because I've always been like, do you mind doing this? Cause I hired the wrong people again. We, we hired the correct people. I'm like, what, what can I do? What do I need to do? I'm like, oh my gosh, this is real. You it's know, so awesome. <laughs> this is real, you know? And um, so I guess just trying to teach them everything that I know, trying to teach Ashlyn what I know. I mean, she's almost been with me two years now and she's still, there's so much she has to learn. There's so much our lead intakes have to learn. Like we want everybody in our company to have the ability to keep moving up. You know, I don't want a lead intake to stay at a lead intake unless that's what they want and they're happy. And then that's great. But if not, I want them to learn every single day. And I think that that's the hardest part. That's what we struggle with the most. And probably because I'm not patient. I, I mean, I want something, if I want something, I want it now and I'm gonna mm. like do it. And I'm like, everybody else needs to. Well, I can't I can't do that that quickly and I can't work with everybody every single day. So that's it. It's just being patient and trying to help grow people at at an, um, a rate that is achievable. <laughs> yeah, a rate that's achievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what would you say is your superpower? Superpower, um, man, that's awkward question. I don't think I really, so superpower, I would say I'm a chameleon, right? So I can, um, sit across from anybody and I, I can easily put my mind in their shoes. I can relate to them in some, you know, form or fashion. Uh, again, with all the things that I've been through in my life, like there's usually not something somebody touches on that's a struggle or a pain or a, a tragic thing in their life that I'm like, oh yeah, me too. Like, so I think that when I was going to sellers homes, I could be in a you know $5,000 home and I'm literally like getting bit by fleas on my legs. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like really? But but it was a sweet older woman. Like she, she needed love, whatever. Like I can fit in with that. I can fit in, you know, in the million dollar homes. Like any, 
really anything. I, I can just fit in with anybody and make them feel comfortable. And I also feel comfortable. So yeah. I think being a chameleon lets me be relatable to everybody on my team, uh, people I meet in this business and network with. And it's real. It's not fake. Like I really can relate to that. Like I, I went through these things, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so I'll let you think about any last thoughts you want to leave. Okay. Uh, so guys, as I mentioned last week, Max and I are doing a two day workshop this coming September. If you want to see if you can qualify to come to our workshop in Phoenix, please go to disruptors.com and tune in next Wednesday. We got Scott Oots coming in from Southern California. Um, he's doing large numbers of deals in Southern Cal in SoCal. And it's just crazy kind of numbers he's putting up. So definitely tune in for that show. And if you guys are in the Phoenix area, come tomorrow night, meet Jamie. Uh, she's going to be the uh, main speaker at Dave and Buster's in Tempe at 4.30. And then Pace Morby is going to be coming as well because he's got some crazy story to share. Actually kind of made me sick, so I don't know if you guys actually want to listen to it, but it's an awesome story. <laughs> uh, so that's tomorrow night, Dave and Buster's 4.30. Um, and guys, if you like this show, please share this episode right now because the rising tide does lift all boats. And with that, parting thoughts. Parting thoughts. Um, I mean... If you're listening to this podcast, you're listening for a reason. You're trying to grow your business. You're trying to get into this business. Um, you're interested in real estate in some form or fashion. Just what I would say is if this is really something that you want to do, you need to sit down and you need to write out, you know, what what does your life look like in six months, a year, three years, five years, and make those goals and decide are you willing to do what it takes to get to those? And if the answer is yes, then don't let anything stop you. Like reach out to somebody, someone on Facebook will will reach back out to you. But um, I think that most people um, listening to this either have a business or are trying to get started in it. And I guess my best advice would just be to go for it. Don't allow failures or struggles to, you know, um, compromise your dreams. And I work best when my back's against the wall, like put my back against the wall. So I say, if you come over those hurdles or you feel like, you know, you have nothing left to give, like turn on some YouTube motivational video and like be like, okay, I got this, you know, like push through it. No one who has achieved something amazing in your eyes, whether whatever that looks like, you know, it can be the teacher, English teacher, it mm -hmm. doesn't matter. No one has achieved that without pushing through some kind of wall or barrier. So like, don't make excuses and just do it. And on the other side, you really will find success. It may not be next week. It may not be next month. It may take five years, but just keep doing it. You know, like don't give up, don't yeah. give up. That's an incredible message. If someone want to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Okay, so on Facebook, Jamie Burleson Woolley. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. Uh, Instagram, which I recently set up, is Jamie.Woolley. And you can DM me um, you know, on Facebook. I'll, I'll reach out to you that way too. Or message me on Instagram. You can do that as well. And uh, nextlevelflipping.com. Also, um, you know, you can go to Next Level Flipping and get in touch with me. So, awesome. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you so Great much. Show. Thank you guys for watching. Till next week.